Chapter 3 Nananaba Nananaba Gives Birth The family sat in the cozy hogan that faced the east. The eastern direction was very important to the family, which belonged to the Tohyedlini clan. The first light of the early morning sun is a blessing from the Creator, Nananabat had been told as a child. It was called Khaifka. Khaifka was the time when the Creator walked around looking for Nabeho who were not lazy. The one who is not lazy gets up before dawn and runs toward the east to let the Creator know they are up and about. As you run, be sure and yell and make happy sounds to let the Creator know you are happy for this day and you are ready to receive his gifts. Ninanabat heard her mother tell her many times, As long as you run in the early morning, you will stay slim. It is important to remain slim, especially in these uncertain times. Our enemies are all around us. They are in search of Navajo women and children. It is known that they are hard workers who complain very little. The words of her mother faded into the pain caused by the birthing process of the baby inside her. The pain from the contraction Nananabot felt was intense, erasing her immediate thought. While she was in labor and squatting on the dirt floor of the Hogan, she thought of the times she tested her body in the middle of winter when she ran toward the east, where her breath, while still within her, would begin to freeze. But it felt good to know the air was thick with the Creator who went around to give blessings. She was glad that her mother used to say, Get up, my little one, run toward the east. Many times her mother had told her if she went back to bed, the prayers she had voiced while running would not travel all the way to the Creator. Instead, like her lazy body, her words would also become lazy and would not reach their intended destination. For that reason, she never wanted to let herself go back to bed, no matter how tired she was. I have been blessed, Nananabat thought, as another labor pain attacked her in her lower back and slowly began to move toward her abdomen and then settled at her back again. She moaned a low moan and saw the tenseness on the face of her husband, the man she was having this child for, the man she began to make a life with just a short year ago. Ninanabat remembered that a year ago he was a stranger. Ninanabat was told a marriage had been arranged for her. She was to be given to a man whose family had come to her home to ask her parents for her hand. Her father agreed, knowing the family needed more men to help to protect the area they lived in, an area that was surrounded by cedar trees, sagebrush, hills, and washes. 
The young man's family were of the Maitesh Gijni Coyote Pass clan. Little did Nananabat know she was the center of discussion as she watched the two men and the woman enter her home while she let the sheep out of the corral. Nananabat's day was spent like every other day where the sheep were taken to the watering hole and allowed to wander there for most of the morning. Toward noon, she gathered her flock and her mother's and began guiding them homeward. The sound of the sheep and goats bleeding was all that was heard. As Nananaba entered her hogan, she noticed her mother and father were having a heated discussion. Well, you already gave your word of approval, Nananaba heard her mother say. Her mother turned to the little loom she was weaving a rug on. What is it? she asked her mother, but no response was to be heard from her mother. Instead, a few days later, Nananabat was told she was to be given to a young man, a warrior named Hashkeyitnapa, the warrior who fights with anger. On the night of the wedding, there was a lot of commotion. Hashkeyitnapa's family and relatives arrived in a long procession of riders on horseback with Hashkeyitnapa in the lead. Everyone was waiting for the sun to go down. The sun is not to witness a wedding, Ninanabat heard her maternal uncle say as he came out of the Hogan to see if the sun had set. More people were gathering by horseback. Ninanabat remained in her mother's Hogan while the men inspected the new Hoganamaze Hogan that Hashke Yitnapa had built for her, the home she was to share with the men whose family brought jewelry and a herd of horses as her dowry. Just before sundown, Nananaba began to get dressed in her mother's Hogan. Her dress was made of two rugs sewn together at the shoulders and the sides, with an opening at the top for her head and two slits in the sides for her arms. Her mother referred to this dress as a bil-e rug dress. Around her waist, a sash belt was wound tightly. The tightness of the sash was to remind her that self-control is one of the virtues of the Nabeho, Navajo. At some uncertain time or place, you will not be defeated. Instead, you will need to be able to withstand hardship, is what her mother used to tell her. Remembering her mother's words, Ninanabat decided to go through with this arranged marriage. After all, her parents' arranged marriage turned out all right, she thought. Before she entered the home where the wedding was to take place, Nananaba was given a nabehu wedding basket containing soft, blue, tasty corn mush. She was then wrapped with a larger rug which was draped over her shoulders. 
she entered her mother's hogan from the east, the only entrance into the home. Ninanaba saw Hashkeyitlapa's family sitting on the north side of the hogan and her own family members sitting on the south side. She also saw him, a young man, kneeling near his parents. He kept his head down as she came in and sat to the right of him. She placed the wedding basket on the ground in front of them with the opening of the basket design facing the door and the east. The wedding was to be performed by her maternal uncle to whom she had listened many times as he told stories. She loved his voice and the way he made his voice change with the different characters he talked about in his stories. Her uncle told them from which side of the basket to take two fingerfuls of mush. This they did four times, first from the eastern direction, then the southern, the western, and finishing with the northern direction. They then ate from the middle. After the eating of the mush, they were told to wash one another's hands with water that was stored in a small pottery jug. This they did without once looking at one another. Denanabat noticed Hashke Yitnapa's big strong hands that held the water jug while she washed her hands. His hands were the hands of a young man. Nananabat was glad the man she was marrying was not an older man. She also noticed his white leggings as he sat cross-legged next to her. Next came the lectures. Everyone who was considered an elder was given a chance to counsel the couple. They were told to respect one another, to care for one another, to be considerate of one another, and to look out for one another. Hashke Yilnapa was then advised to be the hunter, the supplier of food, and was also reminded that their new hogan was his new wife's home. He was specifically told that he was a guest in her home. He was told to respect his new wife, for it was through her that the Navajo clans would be passed on. To mistreat her would be like mistreating his own mother, he was told. Ninanaba was then instructed to keep their home clean. The sheepskins rolled up in the day and rolled out at night. The food was to be prepared for her new husband, and if she took good care of him, she would find that he would not stray. She listened intently, for her father was not well. Having another man in the family would be beneficial to their family, she thought. Besides, her father wanted someone who was being trained as a war leader to take his place in leadership. Sometime after midnight, the counseling was concluded, and the families and the guests shook hands and greeted one another. Ninanaba's family gave Hashkehilnaba's family gifts of food. They were beautiful pieces of blue corn bread, large pieces of boiled mutton, large thin pieces of jerky, and jars of pottery containing wild tea. Hashkeyitnaba's family members were each given a bundle of gifts. 
They respectfully thanked the Nanabots family and greeted her with respect as their new daughter-in-law. After the wedding, Nananabot and Hashkehitlapa were ushered into the Hogan Hogan Hashkehitlapa built near Nananabot's mother's Hogan home. She was told by her mother that they were to remain in their Hogan for four days, not bothered by anyone. Nananabot entered her new home first and was given time to be alone before her new husband came in to join her. The first thing she did was to build a fire and place her valuable items around the room. In this way, I may not get so lonesome for my mother's Hoan, she thought. Upon entering their Hoan, Hashkeyitlapa noticed that their home was beautiful. Inside, there was a peach-colored glow cast upon the walls from the small fire Nananabot had built in the center. As he looked up, he could see the opening in the roof of the Hogan, where the smoke could escape. Lowering his gaze, he looked around and saw sash belts, white shell necklaces, rugs, and other treasured objects hanging on the walls. Beautiful baskets, pots made from coiled clay, and covered with pitch, and rug blankets were placed here and there on the floor against the wall. Nananabot was cold. She sat near the fire she had built in the middle of the floor and kept her head down, not wanting to meet the gaze of her new husband. Earlier in the week, her mother had helped her tan three sheepskins, and these she unrolled and placed on the floor near the fire. The far-right sheepskin on the floor was white, fluffy, and soft as she sat on it. The first two days into their marriage, Nenanaba and her new husband kept up their small talk. Do you like deer meat? her husband asked her. She smiled. I like it only as jerky, she answered shyly. Do you like meat made into jerky? Nananabot timidly asked. Oh, yes, only in the winter, he answered as he smiled at her. I love meat that is cooked over the hot coals. Do you ride horses, he asked, a question that made her want to laugh because they had just been talking about meat and their preference for the way it is prepared. Her mind returned to his question. All Nabehu women know how to ride horses, she thought before she answered him with a simple, oh, yes. Nananabat was too shy to look at her new husband. For now, she only looked at his hands. They seemed to be big, kind hands. They were entering their third day of marriage. When Nananaba was not looking, Hashkeyitnaba would glance her way and smile whenever she caught him looking at her. She, on the other hand, was still very interested in his hands. They were big and brown. They looked like hard-working hands, 
she would first glimpse at his hands, then at her own, and realize her hands were rather small. Ninanaba began to prepare the wool she and her mother had sheared the season before. As she carded the wool, her new husband was outside making arrows and tightening the sinew that was tautly strung on his bow. After the wool had been carded, Ninanaba began to spin the wool. The first batch she spun coarsely but tightly. These were the cords that would be strung onto the loom for the warp yarns. She timidly asked her new husband to help her set up her loom. This was the first time she had initiated the conversation. When I was still a boy, I used to help my mother, he answered awkwardly as he jumped up from his kneeling position to come and help her set up her loom. As she stood side by side with her new husband, and while they were setting up the loom, Ninanabat noticed his long hair came down to his waist. His hair was tied in the back with a thin strand of deerskin. Upon moving to the opposite side of the loom, she further noticed that she came up to his chin. She looked up and asked him, What happened to you right here? She lightly touched where a narrow scar crossed his chin. I fought one of our enemies some years back. Can it easily be seen? He asked her when he noticed the sympathy in her eyes. No, I just now saw it, she answered quietly. After Nananaba warmed up two large pieces of jerky, she cleaned the area around the fire in the middle of the floor. They ate the jerky after they wrapped it in the blue corn crepes. She had made from the blue cornmeal her mother helped her grind. Her husband made sensuous grunts of satisfaction as he ate. She secretly watched him as he licked his fingers. He seems to forget that he's not alone, she thought as she watched him. Later, as the light from the sun vanished in the west, she told him she wanted to go take a walk outside. She left and was relieved no one from her mother's home was outside. She walked to the sheep corral softly, calling to the sheep. They recognized her voice. Quietly, they gathered and crowded to the side of the corral where she was standing. The sheep nuzzled against her hand sniffed her and nudged her gently. She gave a few of them a pat on the head, then walked in a westerly direction where she would relieve herself before returning to the Hogan. It was only a short walk back to her new Hogan, Hogan. As she lifted the thick rug that covered the opening, she saw that her new husband had placed his sheepskin closer to hers. Her heart jumped but calmed when she realized he still had his clothes and moccasins on. She loosened the sash she had tied around her waist and went to lie down on her own sheepskin. As Nananabat lay there waiting for sleep to visit her, she heard Hashkeh Yilnaba say, 
Are you sleepy? She pretended not to hear. She remembered the words of her mother. When you first marry, the man should not bother you for the next four days, for these are the days that are sacred, and one respects that time following the sacred wedding ceremony. Ninanabat then heard her husband move, and she sensed he was moving closer to her. She held her breath, but he also knew that this time was sacred, and said, May you have a nice sleep. Their small talk during the day and at night continued for the duration of the four days. With their four days' observance over, Ninanabat went to sleep after a full day of helping her family with their daily chores. That night she woke up several times feeling her heart racing, racing at the thought of her new husband's touch. Several times that night she woke only to hear his even breathing and could see from the thin beam of moonlight coming in from the Chilete, the hole in the roof of the Hogan that allows the smoke to escape that the moon had risen up further in the sky. She silently wondered how his touch would transpire. With a slight longing tugging at her body, Nananabot reached down and pulled her cover up around her neck and closed her eyes. Had she fallen asleep, she wondered, as she felt a hand on her arm. Timidly, she turned to her husband. From the bright moonlight coming in from the smoke hole, she could barely see the thin scar she noticed earlier. She lifted her hand and traced the thin line with her index finger. He lay quietly and seemed to be content with her touch. Her breathtaking beauty made him slightly tremble as he lay beside her. Chako, come here, Ninanaba heard him softly say. The big hands she noticed earlier were softly stroking her hair, her cheek, her neck, and then lingered on her breast. He did not seem to mind that she still wore her soft blouse made of deerskin. She felt safe with it on, but it did not diminish the unexpected rush of excitement she felt at his touch. You are just pretty with me, he said, as he placed his cheek next to hers. Ninanabat was speechless, wondering if the sensations she was feeling in the central part of her body were normal. She sensed a slight feeling of embarrassment that seemed to increase as his hand softly caressed her body through her clothes. Quietly and unexpectedly, Ninanabat was overcome by emotion and began to cry. Surprised, he murmured, Ha'at'ila, what is it? She could only hold her hands up to her face. She felt the tears warmly make their way down the side of her face, into her ears, and then into her hair. Her new husband seemed 
to her relief to be satisfied to hold her and whisper, Nich Ad, don't cry, into her ear. She fell asleep in the middle of his whispers and her tears, with one of his arms under her head and the other around her waist. The next morning when she awoke, it was near dawn, and she found her Hashkeyitnabah gone. Also absent were his bow and arrows. A slight tinge of fear struck at her heart, which she quickly forgot when she began to shake out the sheepskins. After a breakfast of a bet-benez masa, blue corn crepes from the night before, and a cupful of fresh warm goat's milk, she took the spindle her mother had given her and began to spin the wool she had carded earlier, which lay bundled on the floor near her feet. As she spun, she sang the songs her mother taught her. These songs are to be sung so that one does not get tired so easily. As the sun peeked over the horizon, Nananabat lifted the thick rug that covered the doorway. She wanted to let the sun rays shine in. She thanked the Creator for the beautiful white sky that reminded her of spring. Spring was the season that represented infancy, she had been told since childhood. She looked at the dried white corn that hung on the wall. Again, she thanked the Creator for corn, for her life, for her new husband, and for their beautiful new home. On the sixth night, Nananabat was looking forward to being close to her new husband. She nestled closer to him and began to timidly touch him. She was not surprised to find that his body was very firm, but there was also an area that was very soft to the touch. Hearing him softly sigh when she touched his soft spot, she thought of the way the wool of a little lamb feels. Without warning, Hashkeyitlapa rolled her onto her back and began to breathe hard. She became afraid and wondering if it was with the same aggression that he went after his enemies. Her ability to respond to him equaled her beauty. Adish, now, he asked her. Ninanabat did not know what to say. Her mind raced. She thought of the ewes that became reckless in their actions as they ran toward the rams whose protective apron had just been removed. She thought of the female goats that would stand still, signaling with their high-pitched to let the billy goat know they were in season. Nananabot's thoughts were interrupted. Her husband gently whispered into her ear, Take off your clothes. Nananabot shook her head to clear her thoughts of her sheep and goats. Ninanabat did as she was told. She was filled with many emotions, that of being scared, embarrassed, and a longing she did not recognize. She covered her eyes, wondering if his enemies also covered their eyes when he came in close contact with them. With her eyes tightly shut, he covered her body with his firm body. Gently, ever so gently, 
through a tender expression of intense wanting. Nananabat thought of the part of him that felt like the wool of a little lamb. With that thought, she was not so afraid. Soon his intense breathing became slower and then very even. Quietly he said, Now put your clothes back on. And Ninanabat did as she was told. She realized her new husband had fallen asleep. She allowed her mind to settle on the thought of his big hands. His hands are so gentle and soft, she thought. Later, she continued to be reminded of his hands and the feel of the wool of a little lamb. Ninanabat's treasured memories of their first few days together were nearly 11 months ago. Now she was holding on to the sash belt that hung from the ceiling of the Hogan, waiting to give birth. Her husband, Khashkeyilnabba, sat quietly watching her with sympathetic eyes. He wanted to watch his child being born. He was scolded and told by the elder women that he was not to be present when his wife was having their child, but he knew he was next in line to become a war leader. Knowing what a woman goes through to bear a child would give him insights for leadership, he reasoned, so he ignored the scolding and chiding remarks of the women as each one let him know they did not agree with his presence at his child's birth. He planted himself near the doorway of their hoan. He wanted to watch his child being born. As the newborn baby's head slid out slowly into the waiting hands of Nananabat's aunt, another aunt sat nearby holding her hands out, waiting to catch the rest of the baby's body. Quickly and easily, the newborn slid into their hands along with the afterbirth. The beautiful white sheepskin turned red from the blood and steam was rising from it. The baby girl was placed in Nananabat's right arm as her aunt softly said, Niyajik Ebedine, greet your little one. With tears freely flowing, Ninanabat held her newborn child and greeted her little one, saying, Hello, my little one. I wonder which direction you came running from to find me. I wonder how you came to think of me as you came running to me. I love you. You are born into the Water Flows Together People's Clan, and that is what you are. Nananabat's aunt gently picked up the newborn and handed the newborn to Hashkeyilnaba, who picked up his infant daughter and cradled her in his right arm. He, in turn, began to welcome his little one, saying, Dog 
Greetings, my little one. You are born for the Coyote Pass people. Now and from now on, you will be my little one, and I will call you my baby. As Nananabot watched, she noticed her husband's eyes were wet with tears. She loved him. Having his child was her way of showing him she loved him, and she knew from the kindness in his eyes that he loved them too. They were his wife and his newborn child. In their ho'an, Nananabot lay on the sheepskin exhausted while her husband kept the fire going. She needed to go out to relieve herself. Hashkeyitnapa lifted her to her feet and led her outside. Looking toward the east, they noticed the sky was turning a delicate white at the horizon, growing darker as the sky rose. The air is fragile, Nananabot thought, wondering why this was the first time she ever had experienced the air like this before. As they walked, Hashkeyitnapa kept his left arm around her, and with the other he carried his newborn child. They stood several feet from the Horan. Hashkeyitnapa breathed in deeply and without notice rumbled out a bellowing holler. Nananabot felt the air being crushed around them by his loud, deep voice. Startled, their newborn baby jumped and began to cry. Her cry was smothered amid the delicate sheepskin she was being carried in. Hashkeyitnapa began to pray to the Creator, letting him know he was out ready to accept the bounties of the day. As Hashkeh Yilnaba prayed, he cried. The emotions of having two beautiful females who belonged to him was breathtaking. He voiced how he treasured his wife and his newborn baby. Remembering his wife and child, he led them farther into the thickness of the trees that surrounded their home. Once in the protection of the trees, Nananabot squatted on the soft dirt while her husband stood with his back to her as he held their little one. Using the sagebrush near her to steady herself, Nananabot slowly stood up, noticing the steam rising from the ground where she had squatted. Covering it up with her soft moccasin, she turned to rejoin her husband and child. As she walked slowly toward her newborn child and her husband, Nananabot felt she was seeing her surroundings for the first time. She and her family had lived in this same spot since she could remember, but for some reason, the area seemed new. She was seeing the tall pine trees for the first time. Looking up, she noticed a tree whose trunk was nearly three feet in diameter. Slowly, she allowed her gaze to flow upward. Up where the tree ended, it was still dark. The branches of the tree hid the stars from her as it gently waved with a slight breeze she felt. When she put her hands down to her side, she felt the tips of the sagebrush that surrounded her. 
Reaching out, Nananabot pulled the tips off of a bush and rubbed the sage between her hands. This is a way of washing one's hands, she thought as if she had done this for the first time. She buried her face in her hands and breathed in deeply as the air in her lungs began to stir. Gadlan, now, she said softly. Hashkeyitnapa turned around and gently folded her slender body under his arms and slowly began walking home. This was going to be one of his favorite memories, he thought, where he was holding his daughter in one arm and his wife in the other at his most favorite time of the day. He gently hugged the Nanaba and said, Ayyaha na shik ba Thank you, twice you have blessed me. Kreit egola, in what way, Nenanaba asked. Atsehigi enaran bi nashil ka, do akone eshiza ilso. Na akone enihi yaja dahishtieligi, shashinche, ayeha shiyaja, ayo aninshne, nijonego enaha ahashiado lel. The first is that I sleep in your home, and within your home you feed me. The next is that you gave me our little one whom I am holding. Thank you, my little one. I love you. I will take good care of you both. With a warmth in her heart, Nananaba said, Shidotna Echehensen, I am also thankful for you. You took good care of me. Now you take good care of us. Hashkeyitnaba buried his face in his wife's beautiful hair and breathed in deeply. He loved the scent of the yucca soap with which she washed her hair. He could feel his wanting of her rising in his body but he had to allow his beautiful Nananaba to heal from childbirth. For now, he reminded himself, his memories of their intimate moments of love would have to sustain him until Nananaba let him know they could be together again. As they walked, Nananaba saw the outline of their Hoan, her mother's Hoan, the Cha'o Ramada, and the clearing around the dwellings. Many mornings she had come this way, but had not quite seen the area like this. Glancing toward the southern direction, she saw her mother's hoan, which was slightly larger than her own, as it sat at a safe distance from theirs. The cha'o, where they cooked in the spring, summer, and fall, completed the triangle of dwellings. Not far south from her mother's hogan was where the juniper and pine trees began, making a comfortable windbreak so that the winds were not too cold in the winter. To the west of their hogan, she saw complete darkness, but she knew the clearing continued with sagebrush hills towered over by the juniper and pine trees. Looking toward the north of the clearing, Nananaba saw the outline of the large sheep corral 
where only a portion of the hundreds of sheep her family owned were kept safe at night. Beyond the corral was where the juniper and pine trees grew thick, creating a comfortable windbreak from the cold winter winds. The rest of the herd were out with the five young men her family hired as sheep herders. Her family's herd was kept with their extended family's herd, of which the sheep numbered in the thousands. It was only when she was a child that she saw the impressive herd that belonged to her extended family. Just watching the herd from on top of a high hill used to make her dizzy. Once dizzy from watching the sheep, she would fall on the ground and look up at the sky to see the clouds moving across the sky and become dizzy once again. Her life as a child was full of activities where movement was constant. With the air so fragile, her thoughts returned to her baby, now making soft cries in between sucking noises. Hashkeyilnabba lifted the sheepskin off of his newborn's face and lifted his little one towards the east, while softly voicing a prayer of gratitude which was deeply felt. Ninanaba once again felt the kindness of her husband as he led them back into their hogan. Ninanaba sank down onto the soft sheepskin her husband shook gently to fluff and made herself comfortable. Ashkeyutnapa handed her their baby and squatted in front of them as Nananabat lifted her loose top to begin to feed her little one. As she exposed her breast, milk began to drip from her nipple. With her baby squirming in her lap, becoming impatient, Ashkeyutnapa reached out his hand and with his index finger touched her nipple, watching his finger become wet with milk. His gaze met his wife's eyes. With a smile, he licked the milk off of his finger, loudly smacking his lips as he watched his newborn infant, turning her head from side to side, searching for a nipple. He did not want to leave the ceremonial feeding, but daylight was approaching and there was work to be done. Hashkeyilnapa stripped his top cape off of his shoulders, exposing his strong muscles, stretched a little, then walked out the door. Ninanaba heard heavy footsteps leave her hogan at a run. She knew her husband was going on his morning run, possibly to be joined by her brothers and her father. At some distance, they would once again pay homage to the Creator in prayers, then be ready to meet their daily activities. Three more times, Ninanabot gave birth to their children. Their next child was their son, Nahat'a the warrior who fights around plans. Their second daughter, Zanaba, a young woman warrior, and their last child was their son, Egonapa, night warrior, so named because his mother went into false labor on three different nights before he was born at night.
Ninanaba felt fortunate that each time Hashkeyilnaba was there to greet their newborn babies in the same fashion that he had greeted their first little one, Dedyazh Nazba, little girl warrior who came home.